Hello, and welcome to the Vibrant Light Podcast, your home for uplifting faith-based commentary. My name is Alicia, and I'm your host. Today, I will be discussing the growing surveillance within the United States and even amongst our own ranks as Catholics. I recently came across an article in the Washington Post discussing surveillance efforts by members of an extremely conservative group of Catholics who combined their efforts together along with millions of dollars to obtain data about members of clergy who were engaged in immoral behavior and then presented that data to bishops to be used in what they described as a tool to manage the behavior of those clergy members and prevent scandal in the church. The article, if you'd like to look it up and read it in its entirety, I'll put a link in the show notes, is was titled Catholic Group Spent Millions on App Data That Tracked Gay Priests. And the article was written by Michelle Borstein and Heather Kelly. I would absolutely encourage listeners to read it in its entirety because it gives a lot of food for thought. And I'm sure different people will draw different conclusions about what was done and the appropriateness of these sort of actions. Now, the church hasn't given an official response to this. However, two individuals who stated they worked for one of the church offices where some of this information was presented but wanted to remain anonymous commented to the Washington Post that, quote, both disapprove of the project because they see it as spying and coercive in ways that are damaging to the priest-bishop relations and to the reputation of the Catholic Church and thus its ability to evangelize. They also see the project as taking a simplistic approach to morality that they call uncatholic. So one question that I think a lot of people would have is to ask how are these individuals as just ordinary people getting this type of information and data? According to the article, quote, one report prepared for bishops says the group's sources are data brokers who got the information from ad exchanges, which are sites where ads are bought and sold in real time like a stock market. The group cross-referenced location data from the apps and other details with locations of church residences, workplaces, and seminaries to find clergy who were allegedly active on the apps, according to one of the reports and also the audio tape of the group's president. Police departments have bought data about citizens instead of seeking a warrant. Domestic abusers have accessed data about their victims, and anti-abortion activists have used data to target people who visit clinics. The digital advertising industry has compiled and sold such detailed data for years, claiming that stripping away information like names made it anonymous. Researchers have long shown, however, that it is possible to take a large amount of data for a specific location and re-identify people using additional information such as known addresses. And the outing of Burrell, who was one of the clergy involved, showed the practice in action. This buying and selling of data from demographics and political beliefs to health information is a multi-billion dollar industry, almost unregulated. 
Although no names were in the original data from brokers, it included enough identifying details and location pings that the group was able to analyze it for specific locations and narrow down likely people using the apps. The information the group told bishops they had included, the type of device, the location, the device ID, and the internet service provider being used, among other characteristics, according to the reports. The group also focused on devices that spent multiple nights at a rectory, for example, or if a hookup app was used for a certain number of days in a row in some other church building, such as a seminary or administrative building. They then tracked other places those devices went according to location information and cross-referenced addresses with public information, end quote. Now, I can tell you, having worked in the insurance industry and having handled claims, that this did not surprise me. I have anticipated this type of thing happening for quite a while. And I say that because when I worked handling insurance claims, I saw that the insurance company I worked for, and presumably all insurance companies, were already starting to purchase and use this type of data and these databases to combat insurance fraud. And it, in, that, in, in those days, these databases were sort of were newer, they were in the process of coming together and developing and were just, I think, starting to be used by private companies in a way that I think would surprise most people. It's interesting to me the timing of this because there's also a lot of conversation right now about China and TikTok and whether TikTok should be banned because most people believe TikTok is being used by China to obtain our information through our phones. And I think um, a lot of us are probably not aware or we're missing that the fact that we're already freely giving away a lot of information to private companies within our own country and not considering how that information can and will be used potentially against us. What's disappointing to me about this story in particular is that this type of data surveillance and sort of outing of people and doxing could very easily be used to discriminate against Catholics for our beliefs. So I was disappointed to see Catholics using it against other Catholics. And I also question the morality of a Catholic layperson sort of scavenging up this type of data and using it to basically tattle on clergy. I know they will say there, and, and I don't know these people, they, they weren't quoted a lot in this article, um, so it'd be interesting to to kind of maybe maybe dig into their intentions a little more. Although I don't I don't know that it would I don't know that I care to. Um, but I would imagine, based on what they did say in this article, that their intent is to protect the church from scandal. But they have in effect caused scandal now that this has become public. And um, I also think. You know, the data in and of itself doesn't necessarily tell the whole story about someone's intentions or what they're doing. Just because a individual engages with a particular platform or person or address should not in and of itself cause somebody to draw conclusions or assumptions about what 
what they're up to. And even if those assumptions are proven to be correct, that, you know, these members of clergy are engaging in some sort of immoral behavior, I don't know that it's an appropriate use of our time as lay people to be policing clergy, which is what this feels like to me. I, I think within the ranks of the church, there should be, of course, and there are systems in place for them to police each other and themselves, not just from immoral behavior that could cause scandal, but illegal behavior like what we saw with the childhood abuse. So I think it's one thing for the church and church officials to potentially tap into this type of technology for self-monitoring. I think that's a, a reasonable debate to have, but it's a whole other thing for lay members of the church to do that type of policing to the clergy or vice versa. You know, would we as lay Catholics want our priests and bishops doing this to us? And then I think from a larger societal standpoint, sort of putting the church aspect aside or this specific case aside, we should also be thinking about if this type of surveillance is a moral or immoral behavior in general? Is this something, is this an aspect of society we want to be associated with and affiliated with? Because, you know, we are past the point where it's practical for most people to engage from the devices we use, especially if, if we're involved in business or if we have a child at school, um, you know, the devices we use, our phones, our computers are so integrated into our daily life that I don't know that it's practical for most people to stop using devices. But I do think it's something we should be thinking about, especially as Catholics, as a group of people who are being openly discriminated against as to how much information we're sharing and who we're sharing it with and being careful about the apps that we use and what those user agreements allow for how you know how much do we want to be involved with this system of data collection and surveillance because there are people like this out there who are eager to point fingers and judge others and that you know, that often gets associated with people on the left, this whole idea of cancel culture, but clearly it exists on both sides, on all sides. There, you know, there are many people out there of different ideologies who do seek out the opportunity to point out another person's failings. So I do think, you know, before we kind of jump into this before Catholics cheerlead this type of thing, we, we really should think about if this type of data use is is a moral is a moral use of the technology that we have now. And I do always try to think from the opposite view of my gut reaction and challenge myself a little bit to just see, you know, am I missing something? Do they have a point? So that's why I I will say I could see potentially an argument for this type of technology being used for self-monitoring. 
But where I think it becomes sinful is when individuals take it upon themselves to go on some sort of personal crusade to identify the failings of others because we should ask ourselves, would we want that done to us? And if we wouldn't, you know, that's that's the golden rule. Then we, we shouldn't be wielding it against others, even in the name of helping, which is what I think their defense of this was, was, was their trying to help and, and protect the church and, and give bishops the opportunity to counsel these clergy. The potential consequences of this data usage down the road could be individuals having their freedoms and their personal liberties restricted because of their affiliations and associations. We could see property owners using it to make decisions about who they rent to or banks using it to decide who they give bank accounts to because a lot of the behaviors and traits that are being discriminated against right now socially are not protected classes. There are already financial institutions, for example, that won't do business with gun shops. So could we see a scenario where somebody goes to apply for a, a job or an apartment and they are turned down because they're a member of the NRA, for example? So I think we have to be careful as Catholics as to how we participate in this type of surveillance and the use of this type of surveillance and what we agree to because the potential is there for serious misuse and abuse that could have drastic impacts on an individual's ability to live freely. And I don't mean to be dramatic or conspiratorial with this. The reason I'm speaking so strongly about this issue is because this isn't a what if or a maybe someday. This is happening And I don't think most people understand the ramification and implications of where this is going and how limited we are really limited into how we can protect ourselves. But it's not there are things we can do. It's not it's not hopeless. Maybe you can't get rid of your phone or your computer. Most people can't. I can't. I don't want to. But we can be mindful about the apps that we use. We can take the time to read user agreements and understand how our data is being used and collected. I think we've all had the experience where we have a conversation with somebody and next thing we know, our social media feeds reflect that conversation we had. So, and, and we, you know, we kind of laugh about it, but it, it, this is happening and, and it might seem innocent or funny or cute in, in when you're, if you're, ta- you know, if you're having a conversation about gardening and then you get a bunch of posts in your social media feeds about gardening, but when you start talking about more personal, sensitive matters, look, we're all sinners you know, we all have things that we don't probably don't want the whole world to know or 
even if it's not us ourselves, people, you know, our friends and, and family that have had failings that we don't need the whole world to know. We certainly don't want to be denied a job or, or some other opportunity because of, of something that shows up in a data feed or be accused of something. So as far as focusing on what we can do, I, you know, limit, limiting how, how we interact and then I, and then lobbying and petitioning our, our legislators to put in some regulations about how this type of data is used. We worry so much about what China's doing and we expect our law enforcement to have proper checks and balances and warrants for their investigations. We need to put the same restrictions and expectations on private companies and and stop allowing this free-for-all and stop participating and enabling this free-for-all. So I will put a link to this article in the show notes. I would encourage you all to read it. It's it's a longer article, but it it's it's informative, and there's some links within the article to other articles about this. So um, there's a lot of information there. Also, uh, I would love to hear other people's thoughts about it. Maybe you completely disagree with me. Maybe you think uh, you know these individuals who who did this. Are, that it's a righteous fight. I, I'd love to hear your thoughts. You can shoot me an email at vibrantlightpodcast at outlook.com. Also, and I haven't said this before, but if you are enjoying this podcast, please follow, rate, review, share, tell your friends. Um, I haven't mentioned that before because I wasn't sure when I started this podcast if I would stick with it or if it was really something I could commit to or would have enough content to to do this on a regular basis. But I, I am enjoying it and I hope you are too. And if you are, let me know you're there. Let me know you're listening. I'd love to hear from you. Thank you for listening to the Vibrant Light Podcast.